T-Bone, Tommy Murray, just the two of us. Getting in, getting in the quick pod here, trying to figure out some newfangled technology. Uh, this will be uh, here. This will be tough for the uh, the audio listeners, but for you know, eventually we'll get the video up for for this. And look at this, Tommy. Whoa, ring light action. That's what I like to see, man. Yeah, you well, know, classic classic uh, club Skype connection. I didn't hear uh, most of what you just said before <laughs> that, but I'm I. We're guessing that it has to do with the audio and how we're we're moving on up and the budget has vastly increased over here at the BJP and I'm all, I'm all for it. We got to keep churning that content out. Yeah, I'm like I'm like DJ in the uh, ESPN draft. Man, I'm just at home in my in-home studio. Uh, yeah, nothing quite like it. Uh, big big news. Jim shorts on the bottom. Yeah, Jim shorts on the bottom. <laughs> um, big big news broke in the NFL. Cam Newton heading over to the. Uh, New England Patriots by way of the Carolina Panthers. Quite a career there in, in Carolina. Um, but, you know, t- got an MVP, appeared in the Super Bowl, but ultimately injuries the past uh, two seasons kind of have, have hurt him, especially with just with that throwing shoulder. It's just been tough. We haven't seen the same cam recently, but uh, he, he's been working out a ton, seems to be healthy. He's going to uh, the hoodie up there in New England. And I still really don't like the um, – weapons in new england frankly i don't think i mean Nikhil harry is somewhat of an unknown um it'll be interesting to see what what edelman's uh obviously edelman's a very talented player but you know what will his production be like without tom brady um yeah i don't it's so i think the weapons around cam are, are still a little bit uh you know to be desired for but i i have a hard time not now putting the patriots at number one in the afc east again yeah, me too, Adam. Um, and I, I think this actually might even be better. This all is with the caveat of him being fully healthy, but the lack of weapons and especially kind of the lack of a downfield presence and kind of what Tom Brady was left to deal with with Julian Edelman, who was probably at 75% all of last year, uh, and Nikhil Harry, who kind of failed to really break out like a lot of his, his rookie counterparts did. Um, I guess, you know, I for me, yeah, this this puts the Patriots at number one. Um, if Cam's fully healthy and you know is able to bring a, a some sense of mobility to that offense, I think it's just going to be you know even the short clips that a lot of people were posting on Twitter yesterday with Jacoby Brissett and how they were able to and even Garoppolo to a lesser extent how the Patriots were able to kind of open up that offense. Josh McDaniels is one of the better offensive coordinators in this league, and I just think that you know this we all kind of throughout the the offseason we're like yeah the patriots need a quarterback but it's not really a personality fit with cam and belichick and everything and i feel like both of these guys reached a point cam especially where cam kind of has a bigger chip on his shoulder he wants to go in and he wants to work and uh, you know to me my with cam it all comes down to health if if this dude is healthy you're going to be getting a top 15 top 10 probably quarterback in the nfl and what he's able to do with his mobility and you know the system that he's going to have around him and the infrastructure that's in new england I think it's a really uh, a really good fit, and I think that if they're able to run the ball and kind of use the you know not really explosive uh, weapons that you were alluding to, Clep, this is going to be a team that's going to kind of present a, a same you know type of challenge that they did last year. I think it's interesting talking about the pairing of Belichick and Cam Newton because I think potentially it could actually be a really good pairing in a lot of ways. You look at what has happened with Bill Bill Belichick; he has somewhat taken a Taking a little bit of a hit, obviously he's still revered as probably the greatest coach of all time, but just in the past year with, with Brady leaving, with Gronk leaving, with players being like he takes the fun out of football, and here comes Cam Newton, who's one of the more fun players to watch in the NFL and also fun in his extracurricular stuff with celebrations and Super Cam. 
uh, and all that. It'll just be interesting to see that dynamic. And then, you know, the other thing is you talk about Josh McDaniels, and, and obviously they're going to want to add aspects of mobility to the offense, but I, I don't know how much it really will all change. I still think they're going to want to get the ball out of his hands quickly. I mean, Cam is a really cerebral guy. You remember that clip of him when they're playing the Packers and he's yelling at Clay Matthews, oh, oh you watch film, like now watch this. So, I mean, Cam's a guy who who definitely has, you know, a lot of control at the line of scrimmage tonight. I, you know, obviously he's not Tom Brady. No one is Tom Brady, but uh, I, I don't, I don't think that the, you know, I don't think it's going to be too, too big of a, you know, hurdle to jump in terms of the match there with, with QB and system. Yeah. He doesn't necessarily need to be Tom Brady is kind of, you know, the, the point, you know, and I think if this, this defense is going to be good again and, you know, and I, and we haven't seen Cam really, you know, with this, these type of odds stacked against them and him, really, you know, it's, he is being offended. You know, maybe people were after 2015, we're all were talking about, well, yeah, Cam's been hurt and he hasn't really been the same player since that MVP type year. But now that he, you know, was given up on by Carolina, you got to think that he's, you know, the hardest critic on himself and he's going to be incredibly motivated going into this year. So uh, I think this is a huge move for the Patriots and it's just a fun move. This is, this is awesome. It's going to be really fun to see. And just kind of one final thought on this to maybe advance the storyline a little bit. A lot, of, a lot of people talking about Ryan Pace out there, right? Yep. You, the Bears, yep. they trade a fourth-round pick and pay $20 million a year for Nick Foles. Yep. Uh, and instead, Cam signs on a, a one-year mini deal with that's incentive-laden. And, you know, it's we're, we're in the middle of 2020. Things, you know, we're becoming aware of social social issues in America. And I'm, I'm ready to say it on the podcast. Ryan Pace is probably a racist. I mean, he picked Mitch Trubisky over Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, and uh, now he has spurned Cam Newton for Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky, and Nick Foles for a fourth round pick and twenty mil a year. So, I think I, I think well, it's time to call a spade a spade. I don't know if I'll, I don't know if I'll go that far. I love I love the accusation. I'm not gonna lie. I love the drama that you're they're causing. But I think it might be even even worse than being a racist. He's a complete. Uh, he's just a complete idiot who thinks he's a lot smarter than he is. You know, the Trubisky move clearly overthought it, and the the Foles move. They basically passed on Cam Newton and even Jameis Winston. You know, when you're talking about pure in terms of pure salary, to take on Nick Foles's contract, basically just because Nagy was familiar with Foles. I think this there's a lot of big braining going on in Chicago and. Uh, Hey, uh, you're, you, guys, you guys are Lions fans. This is a Lions podcast. It's great for the Lions. Um, and uh, I wouldn't want Cam in the God. North, man. No, not at all. And the fact that Nick Foles, the familiarity with Nick Foles, I understand that does mean a lot in the NFL, and it's a relationships business, and you know, scheme is important. But if Matt Nagy, who's you know, has come from the Andy Reid tree and supposedly is an offensive savant, can't make something work with a with a healthy Cam Newton for thirteen million dollars less. And Nick Foles, I think that's uh, that's just brutal, and probably racist. You know, I'm probably <laughs> I think you're right. All right, well let's uh, let's let's move on quickly here to the the Dynasty League rookie draft. Nice little little fun event that took place on uh, June fifteenth. Uh, Lee and Lee and Tommy and and Gail drafted from from Ham- from the Hamptons, baby. Some magic in the Hamptons going on. Yep. Uh, it was it was an exciting draft, a, a good bit of movement uh, in the draft, and I guess let's just start it off, you know, just from an initial standpoint, Tommy. What was maybe one, the most surprising pick of the whole draft that you thought? Wow, that's I mean, that's tough. I mean, I guess off top because it benefited me a lot, and I was hoping he would do it. It was two G picking picking uh, Keyshawn Vaughn at at the tenth overall pick in the first round. 
Um, I really, I was eyeing Justin Jefferson. I had, I had two picks. I had one six and one eleven, and I was eyeing Justin Jefferson at one eleven, the whole process, because I knew that, you know, we. It's all. It also sidebar. Now that we're all in a dynasty league together, it kind of makes me, you know, it, it kind of feel like it illuminates the NFL process and how, you know, we all knew where everyone, me and Lee or Lee and I, for for some good English, knew what picks one through eight were going to be, and it, and it made me think about. These GMs in the NFL on draft night, they're calling it, you know, they're calling guys up. They're saying, hey, you know, let's let's mock out these first eight picks. And then you're kind of, you know, into scenarios. But, you know, with Dolan took rugs, which which made sense uh, at one nine because he has Adam Thielen already. And then it was up to 2G, who is left with Marlon Mack as a starting running back. So he kind of had to, uh, you know, he had, he had to take a running back. But Keyshawn Vaughn is a guy that I, you know, I didn't watch a lot of him at Vanderbilt. I watched Zach Moss and A.J. Dillon more and even Eno Benjamin and LaMichael Pirine, Antonio Gibson, a lot of guys that we kind of covered in our running backs episode and sleeper episodes throughout the the process. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, I think, is definitely going to probably the best scenario outside of the, you know, the, the big four uh, that were drafted earlier. But me personally, if I'm going running back at, at the 10th overall pick, I would have taken Zach Moss or A.J. Dillon, who I think are more talented. And, and Dillon especially, I think, is in an a very similar situation where if the Packers don't pay Aaron Jones this year, he's going to be their their Derrick Henry light in Lafleur's uh, system going forward. So I think uh, that was probably the most surprising pick to me was uh, 2G taking Keyshawn Vaughn at the tenth overall selection. Yeah, I think that's a good. I mean, obviously, uh, toot my own horn. I got Zach Moss at, at the first pick in the second round, yep. but you know, I, I would I like Zach Moss better than Keyshawn Vaughn. I was overall unimpressed with Keyshawn Vaughn in terms of his tape. I mean. Everything points to him being being a great football guy, super hard worker, and you know cerebral. Mm-hmm. And so, I think in just being in Tampa, I think that probably is you know obviously still Tampa is kind of a big unknown. I mean Brady's coming off of objectively his his worst season, um, you know in recent memory, and who knows if they really get the running game going? They've they've struggled with that in the past few years, so uh, we'll see. But for me, the the most surprising pick was was Stove going with Tua with the, the second pick in the second mm. round. Just uh, yep. you already have Josh Allen on your team, and it's not a two QB super flex league. Josh Allen's, you know, not a great real quarterback, but he'll, he'll get you at least, you know, 10, 10, 20 points a game in fantasy. So, and in Tua is no guarantee to even be good. Yep. So I just, and I don't, I mean, the situation in Miami isn't exactly great either. So just wasn't, I don't know. Only one pick in the whole well, draft, and you pass on Higgins, Ayuk, even Mims or Pittman or Edwards. You could make, or even AJ Dillon. You could make an argument for a lot of those yep. guys. And if if I can just kind of, I don't know how good of good of radio this is, but if there could be a thirty for thirty made on Chris Sarkeesian, C two the master in our leagues, trading of how he acquired a, a king's ransom of of first round picks, and then proceeded to trade them all away for. <laughs> Basically, Curtis Samuel, uh, Paris Campbell, Curtis Samuel, Paris Campbell, James Washington, uh, Rashad Penny, uh, Corey Davis, and what Todd was the Gurley. Player that Gail give him and Todd Gurley. Okay, <laughs> he traded the second overall pick, the eleventh overall pick, and a second round pick for those players that I just mentioned. Uh, instead of taking Jonathan Taylor and Deshaun, uh, I mean Justin Jefferson. And still having his two two pick to pick Tua, so overall I think Chris is going to be a competitive team for this year. I know the audience doesn't really know what we're talking about. It was what his <laughs> roster looks like, 
but just completely. I think we're gonna have an audience fumbled. of twelve for this one. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but to, to make a long story short, you effectively traded Kyler Murray for Curtis Samuel, um, and I don't even know what he traded that that two eleven that two eleven and three eleven for. I mean, he, he got just, he got a DJ Moore from from Dolan. Yeah, so, well, that's, that was, that's that's a, that's more on Dolan. Yeah. And and now that I'm looking over the draft board again, and and you actually made I think probably the most surprising pick. Uh, now that I'm looking at it again, and that's Michael Pittman, man. The fact that Michael Pittman fell to two seven, not saying that you know if you want to go into he wasn't the most talented guy, and but the situation that he's in to go in there, uh, much like Justin Jefferson, and be the number two option from day one, I think he's a much better receiver than than Paris Campbell. And me as a guy who who loves watching those uh, Colts YouTube series videos, they Frank Reich thought he was the best receiver in the class. Like this is a guy who. They were eyeing from February, but probably even before the combine, as potentially the best receiver in the class and the guy that they see as kind of a Michael Thomas type possession receiver who's going to you know get eight to twelve catches a game and and really just be you know the catalyst for your offense. So Clef, I thought you getting him at the seventh overall selection in the second round was just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, I was I was really thrilled to get him. I mean, obviously it was big that Ruggs and Rager went you know before that point because you know I wasn't. I was pretty locked in on taking Moss at, at 2-1, uh, assuming. I was pretty – I was certain uh, – not certain, but I was pretty positive he was going to be there. And then it was kind of like – I liked I, – I took Ayuk with, with the fourth pick in the second round, and that was kind of a thing where I just like his situation um, with, with Shanahan better. Um, and he's a little bit more explosive, I think. Uh, you know, could, could be a little bit of a, a higher uh, higher ceiling there. But um, – yeah, I was surprised that Mims and Edwards went before Pittman. I really thought that I was surprised that Lee took Mims just because he didn't really love him uh, in mm-hmm. the pre-draft process. But I can speak for for Lee where he you know he told me that was basically a, just a production pick where Mims is probably the number one receiver there for better or worse in 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 New York. So he's going to get a, a lion's share of the targets. And Brian Edwards, I mean, you know more than anyone, I was in love. I'm still in love with this guy. I think he's a really great player, but. Just going to Vegas, there's so many different things going on there with now with Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards and Lynn Bowden and Tyrell Williams. And it's just, I don't know, there's just a lot going on there. Even Josh Jacobs there's a, and Darren Waller. There's tons mm-hmm. of players who, who need to yeah. get targets. And I don't exactly even believe either in the whole Carr Gruden thing. So just for me, yeah. Brian Edwards was somebody who I could just, I was just kind of trying to stay away from a little bit. Although if Pittman went before, you know, if, if, if Hutton, it took uh, to Pittman there instead of Brian Edwards. I probably would have rolled Brian Edwards over LaVisca, but mm-hmm. um, I mean, I, but I was, I was thrilled to get Pittman there for sure. And then uh, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about the third round. Cause I mean, there's a ton of guys that dropped in the third that, you know, both of us were, yeah. were really into, um, you know, KJ Hamler didn't go until, you know, later in the third round, which could just be a, a Denver can... thing. But I mean, well, you know, I mean, you took a bunch well, of players in the third, so I, well, here's here's my thing with the third round is I had the sixth and seventh pick and KJ Hamler, who if I took Akers at one six instead of Judy, which is another conversation we can have and something that I'm going to be really watching in terms of my drive philosophy going forward. And a guy in Cam Akers who I, who definitely was more of a position in need. And I, when I was kind of researching dynasty league strategy in terms of drafting and an overall fantasy strategy, it, it makes more sense to go for a running back who you're going to get probably if they hit, they hit at least on that duration of that rookie contract. And I, you know, as a guy who I was probably the biggest Cam Akers fan in the BJP 
uh, you know, draft draft circle. And I think he's clearly better than Daryl Henderson. And I think he's going to be a really good running back in for the Rams. But Jerry Judy's floor, which which I think is Calvin Ridley, I think that's like the worst case scenario for Jerry Judy. It was just too good for me to pass up. Um, so that's a sidebar, and that's part of the reason why I didn't take KJ Hamler. Uh, which yeah. Is another interesting philosophy. You know, if would it is it better for me? I ended up taking Van Jefferson and Tyler Johnson, who I think are going to be really good players in their own right. But Hamler um, would probably get suffocated behind Judy. But would it be better for me to potentially take a better player in KJ Hamler than Van Jefferson and Tyler Johnson, and basically use him as trade bait or use him as a potential valuable piece, rather than taking Van Jefferson, who I thought was the second best route runner in the class, going to a Rams team who. Cooper Cup is going to have to get extended. Robert Woods' deal is coming up, and I just thought he was really good. Or Tyler Johnson, who is in a really good situation in, in Tampa Bay and is a guy who I think is going to be their third receiver week one. Um, but Hamler, I think, is probably the most talented out of both of them. So that's kind of interesting. You know, I mean, if you, if you could that. go back and do it, Tommy, knowing if you know if you told that it was guaranteed that Hamler was going to be there for the sixth and seventh pick of the third round, mm-hmm. would you have taken Akers at six? I don't know, man. That's tough because that's, you know, I think I, since this is my first rookie draft doing Dynasty League, I think that I always was probably going to take Judy just because I um, I just love Jerry Judy and I just know he's not going to bust. And it was just hard for me to... Anyone can bust. Risk on, well, Jerry Judy's not going to bust. <laughs> we, can, we, can prophesy, we can prophesy that. We can probably see that. I think Jerry Judy at the very worst is going to be, you know, a, a really good route runner who's going to be a number two receiver. But I, you know, I mean, it definitely would influence my decision, but I basically had the plan of taking Judy the whole time along. And then once I got on the clock, you know, I started arguing with myself about the acres case that I kept making to myself. Um, so I think I was kind of wed to Judy throughout the process, but it's definitely going to be something that I'm looking at, you know, in draft classes going forward. Where do you just always kind of go for a running back when you're you have a top five or six pick, um, and it's definitely something I want to keep my eye on. Clep, I just want to shout out you for getting Antonio Gibson at the top of the third round too. I yeah, that surprised. was a really that was a really tough choice for me because I really liked Antonio Gibson, I really liked Anthony McFarland, I really liked mm-hmm. Eno Benjamin, and I really liked DJ Dallas. But yeah. when it when it came down to it, I just felt Gibson was I mean the highest round selection. Right, and does that mean that he's gonna? That means he's gonna be the best player? No, but it, it shows what the teams think of him in general, right? So it's like if there's a guy like Eno Benjamin who's a seventh round pick, even though I, I like Eno Benjamin's talent a lot and like his situation, who knows what can happen with a seventh and, round running back? Like they can they can just be cut sometimes. So well, and uh, Washington didn't have a second round pick yep, too. So it yeah. was there. It was there. Not only was he there the top of the third round, their but second, they didn't have a second. Yeah, round and pick. so for me, and then especially just behind AP and Darius Geis is still there, mm-hmm. but just not really has not really been a factor whatsoever. Um, and so I don't think Adrian Peterson will be in the NFL probably at least at least on the Redskins. I think they'll probably try and move on from him at least you know in twenty twenty one. So, and Antonio Gibson has a lot of versatility, even if he isn't getting reps in the backfield, I'm sure they're going to try and get him, you know, some reps at receiver. It's not like Washington has a ton of talent there. So, um, you know, I would have taken him over Darrington Evans or Lynn Bowden. Um, and I mean, yeah. I might've even considered it over AJ Dillon just cause I hate the Packers. And I think in terms of a PPR league, you know, I don't know how, how high Dillon's value could, could potentially be if he doesn't become that workhorse. Half PPR for that's what, yeah 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 we're not, mm-hmm. we're not full PPR uh, losers but we're half PPR 
Um, and yeah, I think you, you, your last point about Gibson was kind of the point that I was going to make too. The fact that you could get a, you know, a running back for at least year one that could be the the second or third receiver on this team, I think, is incredibly valuable because, you know, I loved Antonio Gibson throughout the process, and he's a guy who I think Trey Quinn is their starting slot receiver and a guy that can take a lot of pressure off Terry McLaurin and just be incredibly versatile for them. So I really like that pick as well. And then Dolan taking Herbert third round overall thoughts. Classic. I mean, it was either Herbert or Fromm. It was going to be no one else. If Herbert went at the pick before, he would have taken Fromm at 3-9. At, <laughs> at I'm, I'm sure. I'm completely sure of it. Um, and, and not to toot my own horn again, I'll, I'll talk about a guy that we brought up, uh, Eno Benjamin. I think, you know, of the, despite the fact that he was a seventh-round pick, I just really like Eno Benjamin's chances in that backfield. You got Kenyon Drake, who's going to be a free agent after this year. Um, I think a lot of this scheme, you know, produces for, you know, for the running back position. And Chase Edmonds is a guy who, you know, we saw last year Edmonds when he played really hit in this scheme. Um, and Eno Benjamin, I think, is going to at least be kind of the goal line back for them, but has a lot of wiggle and, and you know, is just a really tough football player. So um, I really liked my uh, being able to get him at, at 311, despite the fact that I knew you wanted him, Clep, and you were trying to trade for my for my pick. I was doing the math in my yeah. Head. I'm like, who else? I'm like, who is Klepp trying to tr- come up here and get? Well, well yeah, and then, I mean, I ended up I ended up trading my next year's third just to come in there at the end. Probably should not have done that because we didn't know how the free agency thing was going to go, but uh, I ended, ended up drafting. At the, but but in the end, though, too, I, the whole thing was so screwed up and my roster was full and I wouldn't have been able to drop someone. And So I ended up getting DJ Dallas there at the end, too. Who, I mean, the backfield in, in Seattle is super crowded, but I, I put him on the taxi squad and I'll hope he uh, pops off. Yeah. I mean, man, it's so interesting because when you go back and you look at a guy like Chris Carson or Marlon Mack, you know, yep. you, these running backs who probably won't hit their second contract, but are really valuable fantasy players for when they're on that, you know, for the three to four, two to four years that they're on their rookie deal. You know, we're going to, someone's going to, it's just going to be really awesome to look back in a couple of years and see who, who hit on the third round dynasty league pick. Um, because running backs, man, go to go back to my conversation about Cam Akers at potentially taking him at six. Like, you're you are always going to be needing running backs, and I feel like receivers, and especially we I mean Clep, you can speak on tight ends. You know, are just kind of easier to to hit on. Yeah. Um. So, it's it. I'm I'm really pumped to see. Uh. You know, going forward, Anthony McFarland, man. I mean, a lot of these guys. You know, is James Conner going to get re-upped after this year? What's going to happen? Yeah. You know, in Arizona, it seems like there's so much turnover in backfields year to year. Yeah, I mean that that was also part of the reason I was considering McFarland more so at three one than Gibson is because I mm-hmm. do have James Conner, but I mean McFarland is a guy who who has an injury history a little bit too, so I was just a little nervous on that uh, and just taking him just to, to handcuff Conner and Conner might just be good and McFarland may just fall off a little yep. bit. So and, and I mean I got I guess I have two, two last points I, w- I want to do, um, so or just questions for you. So I mean I traded Evan Ingram and Carson Wentz for Brandon Ayuk and Michael Pittman. Is that a deal that you would do if you were me? Here's the funny thing. I hated both of those moves when you made them, especially the Wentz one, even though, I mean, there's a whole separate conversation about quarterback value, really, and the fact we're not in... And I'm rolling with Stafford, so... You're rolling with Stafford, and, like, that's not as bad. And, And Evan Ingram, I just think, was kind of... You sold him. You sold him low. But all of that being said, I mean, you got Ayuk and Pittman, who... If Justin Jefferson went at 110 for me, 
it was going to be Zach Moss, Ayuk, or Pittman for me. So those are all guys that I could have justified taking in the first round. And, I mean, I, I, I guess in short, I didn't like either of your trades when they happened, but you got the best-case scenario out of both of them. So I would applaud you on that. And now look at, hey, Debo Samuel is broke his foot or whatever and is probably going to, you know, at least going to miss a couple games. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I really liked, uh, I really liked your draft overall. And then, uh, just to comment on your brother, the John Gooch draft, what, what are your overall thoughts? I would have taken Pittman over Mims. Um, you know, I think Mims, I guess his role is better, but I just think Pittman's a, a better receiver and has a higher floor. Uh, the Gooch draft overall, I mean, let's take it back to Sarkeesian. He's, he's traded... 111, 211, and 311 for Kyler Murray. Um, and I just think over, and he was able to then trade Paris Campbell and, and uh, whatever, James Washington, to get back into the second round. So Lee was able to trade his draft for Kyler Murray and then trade some role players who, you know, Paris Campbell, I think it has a little bit higher of a ceiling than James Washington now and is a little bit more of an unknown and a, and a better offense. But he was able to bring in his guys in, in Mims, LaVisca, and A.J. Dillon, and Chase Claypool. So. Overall, I mean, I think Lee, I thought Lee was a winner when he made that trade to get Kyler Murray. He secured his guy and, and our guy and a guy that we think is going to be, you know, a gold jacketer at the end of his career. So I think uh, overall, I think Lee had, even though I, I would have taken Pittman over Mims, I think he had a good draft. All right, Tommy, any final thoughts on, on the draft or Cam Newton or the NFL as a whole? Just hope that we're, you know, able to have football and we don't uh, screw this thing up because. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it looks like it looks like you know. Um, we'll see what things happens. Don't, with the NBA things and the NHL. don't look that great. I'll be honest. No, they no. do not look great. <laughs> it looks like we're just kind of playing it by ear. Yep. Like the NFL is supposed to start in the fall, but we're playing it by ear. There's no, you know, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with the NBA and the NHL because they are going to kind of in the MLB now, I guess. Yeah. So. that's true. That's true. Um, but you know, it's going to be really interesting to see, do they add roster spots for, because if your quarterback gets Corona, then you're kind of SOL, you know, are they going to, is there going to be, what's going to happen with IR? It's just going to be a complete, um, you know, shoot show. So we will see, man. We will see. I just hope that we have football in the fall. I hope we have sports, you know, no fans, safe, safe sports that reasonably go on without a hitch. Uh, in the late summer and fall. That's all I can ask for right now. Yep, same here. All right, Tommy. Well, thank you very much. We'll get this thing uh, up and rolling. Yep, great to be back on the waves, Clepper. Q, stay, Q, stay. Q, stay, Q. Stay. Q, stay. Q stay.